everybody. You're listening to the Q&E Podcast. You're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. You got Edgar on the other line. Edgar, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? This is your host, Edgar Martin. Can't wait to get into these topics with y'all. Happy Saturday. Yes, if this is your first time listening to the Q&E Podcast, we are primarily sports podcast, but we will be breaking into entertainment shows, movie reviews, other things like that in the coming future. So stay tuned for that. But today we are talking about, this is our football podcast, so we're talking about NFL, college football, breaking news, stuff like that. It was a lot that happened today. We're doing this on Saturday night, so we've seen a couple of games, of college football games. So I'm going to let Edgar run through a few that are already happened, already finished, that will be impacting the college circuit. So Edgar, tell the people the scores. Uh, today there were a couple of upsets. Today, Texas uh, funny enough, was upset by Iowa State. And it's not funny that they were upset, but they lost 23-21 due to a last-second field goal by a player with the last name <laughs> with the last name of Ass Alley. Yes, that sir. Is, that is correct, Ass mm-hmm. Alley. So that is uh, a weird way for Texas to lose. And it's crazy, bro. Right. And it's crazy because Texas kicker, his last name is Dicker. So, Digger the kicker, and then you got Ass Alley playing for Iowa State. You know what I'm saying? That's just the kicker's names. But continue! (laughs) So, yeah, Texas was ranked number 19 before the game started. I'm pretty sure they'll drop considerably lower after that loss. Definitely. Uh, Today, Oklahoma State won over Kansas. That was a pretty good game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Florida beat Missouri 23-6, so they'll probably move up in the rankings, hopefully. Top Penn 10, State had a close one against Indiana. Uh, Indiana is unranked, but Penn State won 34-27 in a close one. Mm-hmm. Um, undefeated Minnesota, there ranked number go. eight, going against number 23, Iowa, 23-ranked Iowa, lost 23-19 to today. So that was a big mm. upset for everybody. Yes, sir. And uh, the game that everybody was waiting for this weekend, Georgia and Auburn, just ended about 30, 45 minutes ago. Georgia won in an almost comeback yeah, attempt man. by Auburn, 21-14. So uh, Georgia secures their number four playoff spot still by remaining undefeated. Not undefeated, but uh, with the one loss. They'll, they'll remain with the one loss, and they'll still have a chance to make it to the playoff, and they guarantee themselves a spot in the SEC championship game now. Man, forget about Georgia. It was a good game. Florida, not Florida, but Georgia was up 21-0 going into the fourth. Auburn came all the way back. They had two chances to tie the game at the end. We just got done watching the game. Uh, the quarterback, Bo Nix, couldn't get it done. Unfortunately, he got him back, but he couldn't finish the job, man. But it was a good game, most definitely. But Auburn is out of the playoff race, and Georgia is still in it after that game. What were your thoughts on that game, Record? I I just really didn't understand why. Auburn waited until the last exactly, of bro. the game to turn up the way they did. Yeah. They noticed that they thrived so much better when Georgia didn't play man-to-man defense. I mean, of course, to their excuse, Georgia played man defense about man. 90% of the game. Yeah. But there were definitely moments throughout the game where Auburn could have definitely picked up the slack better than they did until the last 10 minutes. Oh, another game you didn't bring up. It was uh, Alabama, and I think they played Mississippi State today, and they won 38-7. Alabama's quarterback, Tua Tungavaloa, is out for the season with a hip injury at the end of the second quarter. Man got sacked. He couldn't get up, could barely get up to get on the cart. He was carted off the field. 
So prayers up to Tua. They say he's out for the rest of the year. Ah, oh, man, it's a tough, tough scene. So, Edgar, how do you feel about Alabama going forward without Tua? Yeah, when I seen him go down, I was just very upset. I felt like he shouldn't have probably even come back as soon as he did with the whole ankle injury that he already had. Yeah, bro. Uh, still trying to heal from. So the fact that Nick Saban just didn't pull him out of the game in time enough, I think it was just one extra drive that he mm-hmm. wanted him to do. And that yeah. one extra drive is what cost him most likely the rest of his college career probably based off of how serious they say this hip injury is. They say he's either going to have surgery tonight or early tomorrow morning. And we all know for quarterbacks, a, majority, a good majority of your game is in your hips. Yep. You know, so like uh, Quincy was telling me before the podcast started, he's already hurt both of his ankles. And now with this hip injury, that draft stock is definitely going to drop now. And mm-hmm. you can forget about the Heisman at this point completely. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was probably Joe Burrows anyway, man. But this definitely is going to hurt Tua's draft stock. I want to go back to the game because um, when Tua got hurt, you can tell, you can see the remorse in Nick Saban's eyes, man. And it, and I can tell it hurt him because he knew Tua shouldn't have been out there in the first place. But it was really a freak, a freak type of thing because I've never seen anybody hurt their hip off of a sack like that. So... That was definitely crazy. And going back to the draft stock, um, this really solidified Joe Burrow probably as the number one pick in this upcoming draft. Um, Tua being known, probably going to be known as injury prone moving forward. He hurt, like Edgar said, hurt both of his ankles. Now he hurt his hip. He can barely move today. I know he's going to be okay by the next time training camp starts for whatever team he goes to, but he's definitely going to have that tag on him moving forward, man. So, Definitely big prayers out to Tua, man, because I know that definitely hurts him and the rest of the Alabama team. Um, but I also want to get into these rankings, the college football rankings that came out last week. Just run through these. So LSU was number one. Ohio State was number two. Clemson was three. Georgia, four. Alabama, five. Oregon, six. Utah, seven. Minnesota, Penn State, Oklahoma. Edgar, how did you feel about these rankings? Did you feel like anybody was misplaced? How did you feel about it? I personally don't feel like anybody was misplaced. I feel like everybody was put exactly where they need to be. Minnesota being the number 18 because of the outbreak season that they had this year, that didn't surprise me at all. So I was proud to see them there. Penn State at number nine, that wasn't a surprise to me. Oklahoma rounding out at the 10 spot. I feel like you can make an argument that Florida should be number 10, but either way it goes, that that isn't too big of a surprise to me that they made them number 10. But as far as the top four are concerned, I think everybody was placed correctly. I think Clemson is – I still think Clemson is overrated. But the fact that they are undefeated and they're still the defending champions, you you just can't dispute that. You have to include them in the top four because of how they're producing this year, even though it doesn't look good even when they win most of the time. Can't? You said Clemson is overrated? Yeah, I think Clemson is very overrated right now. Why do you think they're overrated? Because they ain't played nobody this year? It's not even that. It's just because I, when you see them play, I just – Trevor Lawrence is just having a very bad season to me. Even though he's putting up numbers, yeah. it's just very ugly. Like, in basketball, you know how people say you can have an ugly 30 points or yeah. an ugly 20 points. They're, they're winning games, and there's nothing mm-hmm. to dispute that with. It's just they're winning very ugly. Yeah. And I just don't feel like they could beat any of the other three teams in the top four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, whoa, you just made a bold statement there, my guy. So you you don't think if they play Ohio State, they're winning? No. 
Georgia, not they're not chance. winning. They might have a chance against Georgia. LSU and Ohio State, they're not beating either of those teams. That is a good take. My uh, my opinions on this top five, like, I basically agree with Egg. I think it was pretty solid. Minnesota was really a question mark because I really didn't believe in them after that Penn State win, but it was a good win, so I can understand them moving up to eight. Alabama, so that's the, that is going to be the question. So the question last week was, should Alabama still be in the top four after losing to LSU by five, yada, yada, yada. But now with Tua going out, I can't see the college football committee putting Alabama, even if they do win out the rest of the season and if everything goes favorably for them, I can't see the college football committee putting Alabama number four or in the top four without a Tua. So how do you feel about that? I totally agree. Mm. And it's not just because of the fact that they'll, they'll win. I still think they'll win the rest of the season out just oh, yeah. because of the rest of the firepower that they have. Plus, you still got Nick Saban as your coach. Everything mm-hmm. is there basically except Tua. So yeah. I don't doubt that they'll win out the rest of the season. But moving forward to the playoffs, a lot of people have to understand the committee doesn't just choose you based off your strength of schedule or who who you win against or how you win. They don't just do it off of that. They mm-hmm. also do it off of who is going to provide the best game. Exactly. With Tua not playing for Alabama, that definitely takes away from the fact that Alabama just won't if they won't have a good game. It won't bring as many ratings as a Tua powered Alabama team. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feel like the committee is yeah. definitely gonna take that into consideration and just keep Alabama out of the playoffs since and, they don't have their star player necessarily. Yeah, and coming into this week I was still asking the question, were they even worthy of a college football spot being that they haven't played anybody and that they just lost to I think their top rival or Auburn is their top rival, so second best rival. So that loss, that loss wasn't that good to me. I know that they lost only lost by five in the final score, but they were basically getting beat by two touchdowns the whole game. That last touchdown with like a minute left really made that game look way closer than it was. So I don't think that loss was really that good. I think LSU beat them handily. So shout out to Joe Burrow, his wide receivers, they went off. But how did you feel about the Penn State and Minnesota game from last week? I feel like it was it wasn't all hype. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody slapped our heads. I don't think Minnesota was I don't the fact that Minnesota lost today, I don't think it was a fluke last week. I think they legitimately just beat Penn State. Yeah. And I feel like they, they deserve to get praised for that. And they just took a loss this week. That's all I see it as. I don't see it as anything as a problem with their coaching or their play style or anything like that. I yeah. just feel like they actually got a a good complimentary win against Penn State. Yeah, it was a um yeah, last week was a good game and they showed me a lot. Um I didn't know who their quarterback was, Tanner Morgan. They had good wide receivers, their defense was solid, they had playmakers on defense. Uh it was a good game. It showed me more more about Penn State than it did Minnesota really. Cause they really outmatched um Penn State the whole game. Like I don't I know the score was close but it was a it was a beatdown in my opinion. So, being that they just lost today, uh, I'm talking about Minnesota here, being that Minnesota just lost today, and they still have Wisconsin and Ohio State on their schedule if they get to the Big Ten Championship, do they? can they still find a way to get up there in the top four? No, I don't think they'll let Minnesota in the top four just because of the fact that, like you said, you already didn't even know who their quarterback was, their most of their roster really. 
the, mm-hmm. the main person everybody knows from Minnesota is their coach. And yeah. that's just recently everybody's really paying attention to who their coach is. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think they'll bring the viewership that any of these other top six, seven ranked teams would bring. Yeah. Nah, I don't think they would play a good game. When you got heavy hitters, blue bloods like Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, I don't think a Minnesota fits in. So I don't think the ratings will be as high. And like Edgar said before, I don't. I think that's something the committee looks for. So I don't think the, I don't think Minnesota will get in. But like I said a couple weeks ago, and which still ranks true today, Oregon still controls their own destiny, because Georgia will eventually play LSU, um, in a couple of weeks for the big, not Big Ten, but SEC championship. Oregon and Utah is going to be a huge game, and that could determine who is the fourth seed or not. Yeah, fourth seed in the college football playoff. So what have you seen from these Pac-12 schools, Oregon and Utah, that makes you feel good about them being the fourth seed or potentially a fourth seed moving forward? I've been liking Oregon for at least the past three, four weeks now. I've been saying that I I like them to make the college playoff. Like you said, they control their own destiny right now. I feel like they'll definitely win out the rest of their schedule, and I feel like they'll get a, a good win over Utah. It might be a close game, but yeah. I feel like Oregon could definitely be the Pac-12 team to strongly represent that conference in the um, college football playoff. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just going to take somebody else losing a game and them just truly winning out the rest of their games. Because before the season started, their quarterback, Herbert, he was one of the people in talks to win the Heisman yeah. early, like way early in the season. Yeah, that y'all gone. So, and yeah, <laughs> I feel like he he's still putting on a great performance, but oh, he's yeah. definitely not in Heisman talk anymore. And he plays in the Pac-12, so you know they don't get a lot of attention really because they're not exactly. playing nobody. So that's so another he, reason. He's still putting on a great performance, just not Heisman worthy. Oh, and if you don't like, I said we're, they're watching this on Sun Saturday night, so. We're watching Oklahoma and Baylor, so we're going to talk about that on the next podcast. It's currently 7-3 to three right now. Baylor's winning, so that should be a good game moving forward. This has a lot of college football um, implications because Baylor's still undefeated. So if they win out, they could potentially, potentially, potentially find their way, find their way somewhere in the top four. I don't really believe in them, being that I just seen them last week play against TCU and was in a dogfight with TCU, and TCU isn't that great. So I'm going to just keep it at that. But some more news that came out this week was Chase Young. How do you feel about his two-game suspension? We talked about this a little bit yesterday. I was saying the NCAA is not slick giving him this little two-game suspension, and being that they play Penn State next week, and he's going to play next week. So how do you feel about the Chase Young suspension? I feel the same way. I feel that the two games that they gave him, first off, I didn't think he needed to be suspended in any way. And yeah. Everybody – usually knows how I feel about the NCAA. I feel like they're very harsh on these players and just expect to get for them to get no type of help whatsoever from anybody. Mm-hmm. I just hate that. I hate that about the NCAA. I, I really want that to change. And soon for the 2021 season, they'll start to get paid. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I'm glad they're going to take that route. But this whole Chase Young situation, I feel like he should have never been suspended in the first place. And these two games that they suspended him for, they weren't even necessary. Like, what was the point of suspending him if he's still going to be back to play in all the prime games that he needs to play in anyway? Exactly, because the NCAA want to keep their ratings up. And like I said, they're not slick. 
Um, if you don't know, and if you're, this is your first time knowing about the Chase Young situation, Chase Young borrowed money from a quote-unquote family friend to fly his girlfriend out to the Rose Bowl game last year. Um, he ended up paying the loan back, but he still got in a little bit of trouble. I don't, I really don't know how the news even came out. If it's a family friend, who is who is speaking on it in the first place? That's a, one big question to me. How that even came out into the open, into the open media, but uh. He's going to play in the big game next week against Penn State. So that's a huge game. Going to have huge college football implications next week. So be on the lookout for this one. Do you have anything else to say about college football before we move on to the NFL? For college football, I want to just talk about my Gators for a second. First off, shout out to us for getting that win over Missouri today. It was a close game for a good chunk of the game. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know why Missouri always gives us a dog fight even when they're one of the worst teams in the SEC. They still find some way to get under our get under our skin at most points in the game. But yeah. congratulations to us for getting that win. I really like us to win the rest of the season. Now we only got like two or three more games left, I think. And yeah. I I just I like what I've seen from us this year. I like what I've seen from Kyle Trask. I like the coaching and spirit that Dan Mullen has given his team. He's really brought the University of Florida culture back. Yep. With just the the love of being a Gator, and I I definitely see high hopes for us in the future. I feel like we have one of the best receiving cores in the nation. We have one of the best um, defensive secondaries in the SEC. So I feel like next year, I thought this year would be our year, but next year I I, I have even higher hopes than what I did this year. And I want to piggyback of what Edgar is saying, bro. Speaking on Trask, if Trask is not the starting quarterback next year. If him or Emmy Jones is not the starting quarterback, if Felipe Franks gets the starting job next year, and I know people are riding with me, I know the whole Florida Gator fan base is riding with me on this, he should not be the starting quarterback no more. If he's the starting quarterback next year, I'm a snap. Straight up. Damn Mullen, I hope you're listening to this, bro. He should not be the quarterback. Trash has been playing good. He kept us in games that Trash, not Trash, but uh, Felipe Franks wouldn't have kept us in. Keep that man trash in. If it's not broke, don't fix it. That's the best quarterback we have had since Tebow. He's been playing solid. Keep that man in there. And like I said, I know people ride with me on this, man. I know Malk. I know my mama. I know Edgar. Edgar, you agree? Or you want to ride I, back with Franks? I agree. I don't think oh, okay. we, And I like Franks. I don't think we I don't even like Franks. That's why I say he got to get out of here. But I, I see the potential in Franks. I always tell people... The reason Franks was starting to begin with is because the system they were trying to fit around him. They were trying to do more play action plays where he can get his legs going and he could create better plays than Emory Jones could, even though Emory Jones is a running quarterback as well. It's just the size and the strength that Felipe has over Emory, which is the reason why he started. And he's a better dual threat than Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, can, he can run outside the, outside the box every now and then and get a little slide or whatever, but he's a much better pocket passer. He's a much better higher-rated IQ quarterback when it comes to passing. That's why I feel like Trask is better for this offense. Yes! Because we have Hammonds, because we have Cleveland, because we have Pitts and um, Joseph. Like We just have all of these receiving weapons. Trask fits this offense much more perfectly. That man, Franks, is trash, man. And like I said, I and honestly, I think they're using Emory Jones completely wrong because he's not just a running quarterback. They just put him in in running situations. He can actually throw the ball. If you gave him a chance to throw the ball, you can actually see that, Dan Mullen. 
But like I said, ride out with trash. He is that dude. Have that boy Franks transfer or something. I don't even want him on my team no more. Get him out of there. Keep Trask and Jones. Jones is the future. I think Trask is a senior next year. Hopefully Jones stay and doesn't transfer. But like, I just wanted to say that, man. I don't want Franks back. Trask need to be the one. He the best one since Tebow. Don't mess that up, Dan Mullen. Let's move on to the NFL, man. I said my piece. All right, man. So let's not let's not bury the lead. Everybody knows what the big information, the big story was on Thursday night. This is one of the biggest fights since the Malice at the Palace back in Detroit for the NBA, if you don't know. It was between Garrett and Rudolph. Edgar, tell us your thoughts, man, on the brawl, man. The brawl in Cleveland. I have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of mixed feelings on this whole fight. First off, Mason Rudolph did not get enough punishment in this entire situation. Well, let me say the suspensions real quick, bro. Let me say the suspensions real quick. So, uh, Garrett is suspended indefinitely. Um, Mason Rudolph, who instigated the whole thing. Oh, like, let me, let me describe the story. So, they, let me see this. Let me, what what happened? So, Mason Rudolph was in the pocket. Miles Garrett sacked him. Mason Rudolph tried to pull his helmet off. And then Miles Garrett ended up taking Mason Rudolph's helmet off. He was getting pulled back. Miles Garrett hit Mason Rudolph in the head with the helmet. All hell broke loose. Now, Garrett is suspended indefinitely. Rudolph didn't get suspended. Um, one of the D linemen, Ogan Joby from Cleveland, was suspended for a game. Marcus Pouncey, who was jumping on Miles Garrett, head is suspended for three games. So it was a lot that went on. It was a brawl. Both benches cleared for Cleveland and for Pittsburgh. It was just one hell of a fight, man. So I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry to cut you off, but go on. You you good? Yeah. I just I don't feel like my I don't not Miles Garrett. I don't feel like Mason Rudolph received the proper punishment he did get a fine but i feel like for the simple fact he started the fight he instigated the fight to go further and mm. he charged at miles garrett i feel like that warrants him at least a one or two game suspension if Something. you're gonna give him anything Something. at least a minimum of that you yeah know? and i just i feel like he didn't get his proper due punishment although i will say this this is why I have mixed feelings on the whole situation. I personally don't feel like Miles Garrett should have sacked him, being that Cleveland was up 21-7. It was eight seconds left in the game, and Mason Rudolph was already having a terrible game. So I don't see the reasoning behind Miles Garrett just going at him full speed to sack him when he was just trying to make a, a pointless throw to just let the game be over. I don't see the reason. I'm going to tell, tell you now. I'm going to tell you now. I can tell you why he did it. When your team is 4-6, and six, and you don't know if the team is going to make the playoffs, it's looking really unlikely right now, but we'll see. You're just trying to get your stats. So if you can get that one more sack on your stat, sh your stat sheet, you're going to do that. That's why he did it. He tried to get that one more sack to add on the stat sheet, man. That's all it is. But you can but the point, the point I don't see in that is you have next week. You're Miles Garrett. You're, you were literate before this suspension. You were literally one of the main people in talks for defensive player of the year. He was. You could have waited until next week to just get that one extra sack. Mm. You know, I, I don't see the point in that. Even though it, it makes sense, I just don't see the point in it. And I don't feel like he should have hit Mason Rudolph oh, in yeah. the head with a helmet. That was, that was completely unnecessary. Yeah. Although, yeah. if you look at some of the videos that have surfaced on social media lately, you can see Mason Rudolph hitting Miles Garrett in the groin area after mm. the sack. 
yeah. grabbing at the groin area and yeah. kicking at the groin area. I wouldn't be mad if Miles Garrett tried to fight him or beat him up on the field, but at the moment when you take someone's helmet off of their head and swing it and actually connect and hit their head, that is basically using a weapon at that point. I don't feel it should have gotten to that point. Yeah. And that's why I feel the, es- the situation just escalated beyond control, and, and that just didn't need to happen. Yeah, so I really echo uh, all of Eggert's sentiments right there. Um, but what I don't agree on, because this was a big thing on social media Thursday night. Um, everybody was calling for Miles Garrett's suspension. He should, be, he should be suspended for the rest of the season, blah, blah, blah. If if social media wasn't around, in my opinion, this is my true opinion. If social media wasn't around and we just took the fight for what it was, and we just took results for results, Mason Rudolph is okay. Everybody is okay. Even though Garrett did throw the helmet, nobody got hurt. I think if social media wasn't around, Miles Garrett would have got at least three or four games. He would have been back by the end of the year, and it would have been that. I still think he should have been suspended, but I don't think it would have been an indefinite suspension like it is now. I think the fact that everybody on social media was going at Garrett saying he should be suspended for this long for the rest of the season, yada, yada, yada. I think that made the NFL feel forced to suspend him for the rest of the season, at least. But I think if it wasn't for social media, if it wasn't for everybody having an opinion, having a talk show, yada, 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 everybody saying season-long suspension, I think it would have been four games, he comes back, and we move on. Being that it, he was instigated. He wasn't instigated enough to hit him with the weapon. That was an inexcusable offense. But I think it would have been a lesser suspension if everybody didn't have opinion, if we didn't have talk shows and social media and that of that sort. So that was that was something I took away from this whole situation, man. Um, any opinions uh, before the fight? And another thing. I, don't, I didn't want to stay on this topic for too long. Like I said, I echo all of Eggert's sentiments. Um... But a lot of these talk shows, all they was talking about yesterday was this. Y'all got to tighten up, man. I don't, I didn't want to see this all of yesterday. All I seen was the fight, the fight, the fight. And nobody was talking about Melo getting signed. That was some big junk yesterday. They weren't talking about Melo enough, man. But moving on to Cap. No, I ain't going to move on to Cap yet. Have the Browns found the recipe to winning? The Browns won 21-7 over the 5-4 Pittsburgh. See, actually 5-5 five five now. But the Browns are now 4-6. and six. They're back in playoff contention now being that the AFC is so weak. So have the Browns found the recipe for winning after this two-game winning streak? No, I don't think they've found the recipe for winning. And I say that simply because the Browns, like I said last week, at the end of the day, the Browns are the Browns. And they will find a way to just beat themselves. Mm. And I say that because look at the fight that surfaced on Thursday. The Browns won. Nobody's talking about the fact that the Browns won the game. They're talking about the fact that their players and their organization are just so dysfunctional. So even when the Browns win, they lose. Yeah. That, that just doesn't make sense to <laughs> yeah. me. So I don't feel like they found the recipe for winning because even when they win, they still find ways to shoot themselves in the foot. I don't see them having any type of giving any type of worry to any of these other AFC teams for playoff contention at all. They just got a good win this week, but just didn't know how to maturely handle the win. They just beat two good teams. They just they beat the Bills last week, and they beat the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. I think the Browns have found a recipe for winning. I know that the game was being overshadowed by this fight, and I understand. But the Browns have found something. Like I said a couple of podcasts ago, 
The coach need to stop putting Baker Mayfield in five-step drops and just need to help him get the ball out of his hands as soon as possible. And that is what's happening now. Kareem Hunt just came back before the Bills game. He's starting to get the ball. They're starting to throw quick little screens to him, quick little dump-offs. Kareem Hunt doing his thing. Odell doing his thing. You got Landry taking off. You're getting it, your, the ball into your playmaker's hands. And that's all you got to do. You don't got to go deep all the time. Just throw the ball. Just throw the quick passes, RPOs, like you're doing these past two games. That is the recipe for the Browns. If they have been doing this the whole year, they would have won more games. But I think the coaching staff is finally starting to realize it. Like I, stand, like I said, I understand what Edgar's saying with the Browns being overshadowed by this whole fight situation. But I think they found something in these games that can move them forward. Their defense is definitely going to be hurt, uh, hurt though, being that Miles Garrett is their best defensive lineman, and Ogan Joby is another one of their good defensive linemen, man. So that's definitely going to be a big hit moving forward. But let's move on to Colin Kaepernick, man. Edgar, what are your thoughts on Cap getting this tryout from the NFL, man? 24 teams. This happened today. 24 teams showed up. And we've seen a couple of videos on Twitter. So how do you feel Cap looked, and what were your feelings on this whole situation? I feel like he looked really good. He looked like he's still ready to be in the league. Everybody's been saying that anybody that has seen Cap recently throughout this entire year, ever since he's been out of the league, he's still in shape. He's still ready to play. He's still conditioned. He still he looks good. Like He looks like he's ready to be in the league again. So mm -hmm. based off of how he physically looks, how he played today in his warm-ups and his exercises, I've seen some of the videos that he had posted up. I feel like he looked very well, and this whole situation, I think, was just a huge move forward for not only him, but just the stance that the NFL is trying to improve on with his with his stance on social injustice and how they're trying to show that they did blackball him, but they're trying to reconcile for that by giving him another opportunity to play in the league. Question though. Yes. Question though. Um... And I'm pretty sure he's going to get a job because, like Edgar said, he did look pretty good, even though everything on social media is really just a highlight film. But I'm pretty sure nobody was guarding him. He can just throw whatever he wanted. I'm pretty sure he looked good. So I, hopefully somebody signs him. What was I about to say? Oh, can he still kneel? Because I don't think his, his views on this have not changed. So can he still be able to kneel? And this is going to be a big thing moving forward. I'm pretty sure... If you're asking, can he still kneel? I'm pretty sure the teams are going to talk to him about it. Even though the media says the teams aren't going to talk to him about that, just going to talk strictly football, I doubt nah, that. Yeah, I, I yeah. doubt that. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, of course, they want to give off that impression, but I highly doubt that. Yeah. I feel like they wouldn't want him to kneel, but if he still chooses to kneel, that's his decision. If mm -hmm. he does not choose to kneel, but he finds other ways to still get his message across, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like this this isn't any PR stunt. This isn't anything just to get the cameras on him. Like, no, he truly wants to be back in the league. He yeah. truly wants to be an NFL quarterback. He deserves to be in the league on an NFL roster, especially with most of these quarterbacks in the league right now not producing the way they should be. So I, 
I just feel like when it comes to the kneeling, it's just going to be his decision. I won't be mad either for either decision he chooses. Yeah, man. Throw up the panther fist, man. That's all you got to do, man. Forget the kneel. Throw up the panther fist. Everybody would be happy. You ain't kneeling. Throw up the panther fist, yada, yada, yada. Do it for the ghost of Huey Newton, man. That's all I got to say. But coming into this, I thought this was more of a PR stunt, man, because the NFL just dropped this news in the middle of the week. Colin Kaepernick knew nothing about this. They really dropped the information, and he knew the same time we knew. I thought this was really a PR stunt, and there was a lot of information coming into this week. They were asking if Colin Kaepernick was even going to show out for the workout. They didn't know if he was ready for it, if he wanted to, um, what is the word, what is the word, compromise to these conditions, because in the the conditions, he said that he couldn't have media or nothing like that, the it was going to have to be at Saturday. It couldn't be next week and nothing like that. So I really thought this was going to be a PR stunt. But I think now he has a real good shot of getting back in the NFL, man. So I'm definitely happy for Cap after this three-year wait. It was definitely about time for him to get back, man. So shout out to Cap. But another thing about this Kaepernick situation is Jay-Z. Jay-Z was catching a lot of flack. A lot of flack when he got signed with, signed with the NFL and it was known that he was just signing to be like a part of their marketing team in a way. More of a, somebody who gets people for the halftime shows and stuff like that for the Super Bowl. He didn't sign on as somebody to do stuff for social injustice. He was catching a lot of flack for that. But now information has come out that Jay-Z was a big part of why Kaepernick got this chance and this shot to get back in the NFL, man. So I really think people should start apologizing to Jay-Z right now, man. Edgar, how you feel? I totally agree. And not enough people are speaking on that. Mm -hmm. Because earlier this year, when Jay-Z announced that he will be working with the NFL, like you just said, for marketing and Super Bowl halftime performance purposes and things like that, everybody just went up in arms. Because when it comes to when it comes to social media, nobody is ever satisfied. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he's taking a mature approach and instead of trying to just work against the NFL and not communicate with them at all, he's trying to fix the problem from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And I, I totally understand the angle that he's trying to take. And he knew he would get a lot of flack for this. He knew people would call him a sellout, say that he's turning his back on the community just to benefit himself. But he played a huge role. I don't care if people want to believe it or not. It's a fact that I feel he truly played a huge part but, in this Kaepernick situation. But this was the thing with Jay-Z. This is why a lot of people had a problem with Jay-Z. It's because you signed on to the NFL, and I'm pretty sure he had a, I think he had an interview um, a couple of days after he signed, and he was asking about the Kaepernick situation. And he basically talked around the question. He didn't talk about if he was going to help Kaepernick getting another opportunity. So a lot of people were like, oh, is Jay-Z just being a sellout? Oh, he just doing this for the halftime shows to get more black people doing the halftime shows, yada, yada, yada. He's not doing this for Cap for social injustice. So that's where a lot of people jumped on his head for that interview. A lot of people didn't take a wait-and-see approach. They just jumped on that interview seeing that he didn't answer the question directly. So it was like, oh, he just did this for the halftime to get more money, to get the big bucks from the NFL. He didn't do this for Cap. So that's why a lot of people were jumping on his head. I took a wait-and-see approach. I didn't want to jump on his head immediately, but I was definitely skeptical. But seeing this, I think we got to give Jay-Z some props, man, some huge props. He's a billionaire. He doesn't have to do this. He's comfortable. He doesn't have to do this at all. But he showed the time, took the time out of his schedule, man, showed uh, Kaepernick some love. Now, 
Cap got another shot to get in the NFL. So huge shout out to Jay-Z, man. That's definitely, definitely great. Definitely great. And so anything else on Jay-Z before we get out of here? No, I, just, I totally agree. People need to apologize. People need to understand that you got to take a wait-and-see approach with things sometimes. And I agree with everything you just said. Yep, so now we're about to get into the NFL Week 10 recap, man. So the big games this last, of last week were San Francisco versus Seattle, the Monday night game. Carolina versus Green Bay, the game in the snow. Kansas City versus Tennessee, the upset probably of the weekend. And Dallas versus Minnesota, the Sunday night game. So we're going to start off with the Monday night game, which was the biggest game of the week, man. I want to start off with asking, is Pop, has Papa Russ solidified the MVP yet? Definitely. He, he's made his way to be the, the true front runner in this. At first with me, uh, when I first gave my take on who I felt was going to be the front runner for MVP, I said Deshaun Watson. It'll be between Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. But after that game against the 49ers and the way he just sealed that victory at the end, I feel like he's definitely moved his way to be the true front runner in the MVP race. Definitely, man. Papa Russ carried them. He literally carried them. They don't have a lot of talent, man. They really don't on the offensive side of the ball. His tight end earlier in the season, Will Disley, went out for, with an injury. They just signed Josh Gordon on last week. He made a couple of big plays. Tyler Lockett got hurt on Monday night, so he didn't have his favorite weapon. DK Metcalf fumbled a couple of times, but Papa Russ still finished the game and won it in OT, man. So shout out to Russ. I picked uh, Seattle last week because Seattle has been in close games all season and have pulled them out so i knew papa russ was gonna do it again but let's look at it from the other side of the coin jimmy g what's up with your man jimmy g man poor star jimmy man he he ain't look that good in the clutch Edgar. tell me what's going on with jimmy g now i will admit jimmy g did not look good in this game and you could see it when the pressure got on his shoulders in the last quarter around the last five six minutes of the game he looked so shook in yep. the pocket, and he could not make plays. I will admit that. Do I still feel like the 49ers are a very, very strong team and a, do have a great chance at a Super Bowl this year? Yes, I still have them as possibly my NFC favorite to make it to the Super Bowl. But Jimmy G did not look good under pressure in that situation. Mm -hmm. And it was just for everybody to see. And Russell Wilson did his thing and showed why he was the better quarterback in that game. So, Jimmy Definitely. G, if he wants to be successful for this offense and lead them to the Super Bowl, he's going to have to learn how to play under intense pressure like that. Yeah, man. But I'm going to give Jimmy G a pass, man. But this was my problem with San Francisco coming into the year. Edgar was all on San Fran, San Fran, this, San Fran, number two. They the number two team. I was telling Edgar, they have the running game. They have the defense. But I do not believe in Jimmy G. I don't think Jimmy G is going to get it done in the clutch and in the playoff run. I just can't see it from Jimmy G. He hasn't shown me enough. He hasn't shown me enough right now, man. So uh, it was an ugly game. But I want to give him a pass because Emmanuel Sanders got hurt in the second quarter. Before that, Jimmy G was actually looking pretty good. But when Sanders went out, the, the offense was stagnant. And his favorite target, George Kittle, was hurt with a knee injury. So he didn't have his two favorite weapons, so I gave him a little bit of a pass. Everybody wanted to jump off the Seattle band, not Seattle, but the 49ers bandwagon this week. I still think they have a good defense and a good running game, man, but I do not believe in Jimmy G, man. I never believed in Jimmy G. I got to see more right now, man. I got to, got to see more. But that was a great game, overtime game. 
a field goal by Jason Myers to win it. The next good game of the week was the 4 o'clock game of the week. It was Carolina versus Green Bay. Edgar, what was your thoughts on the game, man? I think it was a pretty good game. I was impressed with Kyle Allen, and I feel like he's definitely the future for the Carolina Panthers. Huh? And yeah, I, I, I changed my view on it. I thought it would be Cam, but just seeing the way he's been performing this season, I feel like Kyle Allen is the future. And Cam Newton has already been entertaining leaving Carolina, so there's no reason for me to even try to yeah. paint a picture of where he's still the future for Carolina. Kyle Allen is now the, the future for Carolina at the quarterback position. I want to get this off, man. Everybody know I'm the Carolina fan on this podcast, man. But look, I'm going I'm to tell you all this now. I was impressed with Kyle Allen at the end of the game. At the beginning of the game, man, I was cussing him out, man. I ain't like Kyle Allen, man. But on that last drive, he showed me a lot. But he is not the future of Carolina Panthers football. And honestly, I don't even think Cam is either. I, I have come to the, the conclusion, man, that Cam is not going to be there next year. And that's just how it is. I feel like the Panthers are going to cut ties. I don't want them to. I still love Cam. But how everything is going, what I'm hearing, what's being reported, Cam's entertaining it. I'm like, oh, okay, it's starting to feel like Cam's out the door. If they cut him or trade him, they they can get $19 million back to sign people like McCaffrey and Shaq Thompson, man. But I don't think Kyle Allen's the quarterback. He's a good backup. But if you want somebody for the future, man, you got to draft him or you got to sign him in free agency, man. Kyle Allen just doesn't give me good quarterback vibes. Kyle Allen cannot be your quarterback going into next season. That's a no-no. Carolina, if you li- Ooh, if anybody from Carolina is listening, Kyle Allen cannot be your quarterback going into next season, man. He is a good backup, man. Like I said, he showed me a lot. But he is not the one. He is not the one, man. So if you're going to get rid of Cam, man, you got to find somebody else other than Kyle Allen, man. If that means developing Will Greer, who's the backup right now, who you drafted in the third round, you got to do something, man. But Kyle Allen cannot be your starting quarterback going into next season. He just cannot. He cannot. But he impressed me at the end of the game, man. It was a good game. Um, Green Bay stopped Carolina at the one-yard line. I think Christian McCaffrey got in, but it wasn't a good view, so nobody's seen it. I think he got in, but they hold him, so I'm going to just let, let that be. But a, a thing I took away from this game is that Aaron Jones might be a top five RB. Hey, how you feel about it, man? Statistically, yes, because of the numbers that he's put up so far this season. I, I don't want to – I just already gave – Dalvin Cook the nod. Give everybody their credit, man. Give everybody their credit, man. <laughs> well, it's the difference between giving everybody their credit and then trying to put everybody in the top running back. Nah, that's true. That's true. That's time. true. That's true. That's true. So it's like just because everybody's stats are so close, you can't say they're all possible contenders for that for the top five or top four running backs. But I'm saying just for this year, just for this year, what you seen out of Jones? Year, yeah. If, I mean, the numbers don't lie, so statistically, I would have to say yes. But uh, if we're not talking just stats, if we're talking about the eye test and how valuable each person is to the team, I, I wouldn't put him top five just yet. May, maybe top five, but like top three or four, no. Okay. See, so to statistically, Christian McCaffrey is the best running back. Dalvin Cook is number two. Jones is number three. And... Uh, who would be number four? I know Chubb would be in there somewhere. So those would be the top four right now. Or Zeke would probably be in there too. So those would be the top five running backs this season. 
People like Saquon hasn't haven't been getting off. Uh, Kamara has been hurt most of the season. So Aaron Jones probably would be in a top five just for this season, just for what we've seen this season. He has 943 total yards, and he has 14 touchdowns, and that's tied for the league lead with Christian McCaffrey. He also has 14. So I think he I think he top five this year. I don't know if it's talent. It's not talent-wise, but top five statistically, how he's been producing for this for this Green Bay team, man, definitely, definitely be in my top five. And I said this a couple podcasts ago. I said Aaron Jones, not Aaron Rodgers, is the key to the Packers' success or their Super Bowl run. Aaron Rodgers didn't even get off on Sunday night. Aaron Jones was the one getting off. He is the key, man. I'm telling y'all now, he is the key. And anything else on that game? I'm still, I'm surprised in you, Eggert, man. You just gonna throw my man Cam out the window, man. That's crazy, man. Kyle Allen the future. Kyle Allen the future, man. I, I hear everybody talking about it, man, saying Kyle Allen this, Kyle Allen that, man. But I just can't believe in that, man. I guess because I'm a Carolina fan, man. I love Cam so much. Like I said, I've come to the cl- conclusion that Cam is gone. But it's just the fact that I can't see Kyle Allen as a starter, man. I can't. He's a good backup, though, man. He's a he's a, he's a damn good backup at that, man. So, so shout out to Kyle Allen, man. But he's going to have a big game tomorrow, so that's one of my predictions. He's going to have a huge game against Atlanta, huge, huge game. But another big game of the week, the upset of the week, was Kansas City versus Tennessee, man. I don't know how Kansas City lost. They were up by, like, 15, I want to say, at some point in the third quarter. They gave it up. Edgar, how do, do you feel like Kansas City is in trouble of missing the playoffs? They're currently 6-4, and four, and I want to say they're tied with the Raiders. Um, no, they're one game ahead of them in the win column ahead of the Raiders. So do you feel like they're in trouble of missing the playoffs? I don't think they're in trouble of missing the playoffs, but they're definitely not a favorite anymore. Mm-hmm. Like how they're usually a top two or three favorite to make it out of the AFC to the Super Bowl. I don't see them as that team at all this year. They're just not showing it. Patrick Mahomes, he he's Patrick Mahomes. He does what he does, but their defense, Kansas City's defense, is not good. It's atrocious, and they just can't find ways to to stop anybody. And Kansas yeah. City's defense hasn't been good for the past two, three years. It's just lately with problem. Patrick Mahomes, they they've gotten in shootouts with teams, mm-hmm. and it's like the Warriors. If you get in a shootout with the Warriors. You're not winning. Yeah. But if you slow the Warriors down, you have a chance to beat them. Same mm-hmm. thing with Kansas City. If you want to go back and forth, who can score the most touchdowns, then you're gonna win. You're not gonna win the game against Kansas City. But if you can find a way to stop Kansas City from scoring and find, make sure you're just good enough to at least get some type of points on the board, you can beat Kansas City. And teams have figured that out. Yeah, so man. I think they're they're not in trouble for missing the playoffs, but I. I don't see them as a favorite to make it out. Yeah, like I said, they're one game ahead, so they're a half game ahead in the AFC West standards right now. Being that the AFC is so weak, I think Kansas City is still going to make the playoffs. But it is a question if they're going to win their division. I Like I said, I, I like how the Raiders been looking these last couple weeks, man. The Raiders have been on it. So that, that's going to be a big one if they're going to win their division. They play, I want to say they play the Chargers this week. They play the Chargers this week. So that should be a good game. Um... Damn, like, like I, I, I agree with Edgar, man. It's the defense. The defense can't stop anybody. At times this year, they show you good. They show you that they can get pressure to the quarterback. They got a couple of good cor- cornerbacks. 
that they show up at times and then they go away at times. It's like they got talent on defense, man, but, ah, oh, man, it's just, they're inconsistent, man, inconsistent at best. So that's the huge problem because Kansas City offense get them 35 every game. You can you can put that on the board, but it's the defense. Are they going to give up 38? That's the biggest question. So well, on to Dallas versus Minnesota. That was the Sunday night game. And a lot of people were talking after this game saying Dalvin Cook was the number one running back and that he should be in the MVP conversation. Edgar, how do you feel? I don't feel like he should be in the MVP conversation, although he is, in my definition, he is the most important piece on Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see him being an MVP, uh, a top MVP candidate. You could put him in conversation, but do you really see him winning over – Russell Wilson or Christian McCaffrey or Deshaun Watson or even now with Baltimore having Lamar Jackson yeah. playing the way he's playing, do yeah. you even see him being more important than Lamar Jackson, you know? So he's in the talks, but he's not up there the way certain people are trying to make it seem like he should be right Exactly. Now. And I hate how people try to compare the two. See, they try, they try to say uh, Cook better than McCaffrey. That's false. Let's, they're both two great running backs, but Vikings have two great wide receivers and a good tight end. Carolina has nothing on offense. They have a, um, they have DJ Moore, who's inconsistent at best. He do his thing on some days. Other days, he does not. Um, Samuel gives you at least a, get at least 50 yards a game, but he all right. The quarterback is a backup. Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the league. He is the most important player. If they did not have Christian McCaffrey right now, they would probably be somewhere in the 1 and 8, 0 oh and 9 range right now, 0 oh and 10 range. But they're 5 and 4 all on the back of Christian McCaffrey, man, so he's definitely the best back in the league and should be the only back, even though I don't think he should be in the top. He's my MVP, but in the media's in the media's MVP discussion, he's not in the top 3 and I can see why. You got Lamar, you got Papa Rush, you got uh, who else you said Deshaun so you, you got other people, and it's a quarterback award, man. So Christian McCaffrey probably going to get – Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook are in the Office of Player of the Year discussion, though. So that is something that we're going to talk about later um, in the later weeks for our predictions on that. But what happened to Dallas at the end of the game, man? They, they got all the way down the field, and then they got stopped because they stopped throwing the ball to Amari Cooper. They were running the ball, and they got stopped. Man, what happened to Dallas? I don't know why they chose to do that. I know once you get closer to the end zone, you have to try to change your scheme a little bit because the DBs have that. That's the DBs' playground, the red zone. That's where they have the best opportunity to get an interception. That's where they have the best opportunity to just stop slants. That is the playground for DBs, the red zone. And I get it. You don't want to just play into their hands and pass and just end up with an interception or something like that. But. Like you said, they threw the ball down the entire field that drive just for them to end up to try to run it. Yeah, man. When, when they get to the when they get very close to the goal line at that, it's not like they were at the ten yard line the, the whole time in the red zone. They got up all the way to the yeah. goal line and just continued to try to run it and didn't even try to attempt a, a reasonable pass the entire time. The thing is, they were trying to waste time, which is so stupid in my opinion. So they got down the field. They had like a minute and 45 seconds, and they were at like the 15, 20-yard line. And they could have just kept throwing the ball, but they started running the ball with Zeke to milk the clock so the Vikings wouldn't have the ball with any time left. But they ran the ball. Vikings 
uh, hit Zeke in the backfield a couple of times. It was fourth down. Dak threw it to Zeke, and Zeke couldn't catch the ball. But it was it was a, it was a good game, man. But Amari Cooper and Dak looked great. That connection was on point on Sunday night. And my question is, how much would you pay Dak, man? Is he worth it or is he not worth it, man? The question still looms, man. What is your opinion? I I don't think he's worth it right now. I know he tried to make a good case on why he should be, and he, this was supposed to be the season that proved why he's worth. Uh, what what was it like? Forty million, something like that. Yeah, something like that, man. Cause I think Carson Wentz got around a hundred and ten guaranteed. Golf got a hundred and ten guaranteed. So he looking at something around that over four yeah, years. So I I just don't feel like it was. This isn't the season that he thought it was going to be. I wouldn't pay him the money that he thinks he's worth right now until you can truly show that you can get this team wins. Yeah. Uh, But I paid that. I wouldn't pay that 40, but I'll, I'll give that 35. I'm not even going to lie because that looked that look good. And as long as you have an offensive line in front of that, everything has to be perfect for that. But as long as you have that offensive line and you have Amari Cooper, a number one receiver, Dak is going to give you the production. He has shown you this over the four, or at least over these last two years, since he's had a number one receiver. He's shown you that he can put up the numbers. And he got you down the field. I know that Zeke is your best player, and he got you. And he, like I said, he's your best player. But still, Dak got y'all down the field. Dak is, Dak is the one, for Dallas at least. He's the one. And I feel like if you let him hit the open market, man, he going to get something around 40. So if you just sign him now, get him to like $35 million a year, something around that, he'll be fine. Something around that um, golf and Wentz money. He should get something around there. But he shouldn't get nothing crazy like no $40 million, though. But he should definitely get his money, though. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Another game that happened this week was Atlanta upsetting the New Orleans Saints. Do you feel like this was a one-off game for the Saints, man, or is this going to be a trend? They play the Bucks next uh, tomorrow. Do you feel like this is one game off for a trend? I I like the Bucks to beat the Saints tomorrow just because, you know, that's the home team. But mm-hmm. I feel like it was just an off game for the Saints. I did say last week that this was going to be a statement game for Atlanta. Yeah. And they're not just going to let everybody push them around this year. And I, I, they proved that. They proved that in that win that they got. It was a pretty solid win. They surprised everybody and upset a lot of people with that win that they got last week. Yeah. So I... I, I applaud Atlanta for that, but I just feel like it was more so just bad play on, on the Saints. It was just an off day. Yeah, man. Drew Brees couldn't even get the ball off. Um, Michael Malcolm, uh, My, uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas had a good game, but everybody else on that team was Kamara didn't do anything, Tag in, um, the tight ends didn't, didn't do anything. So it was a bad game for everybody else except for Michael Thomas, man. But it was a one-off game in my opinion too. They play the Bucks tomorrow. Their wide receiver's probably going to go crazy. The Bucks secondary isn't that crazy, so they're going to get back on track tomorrow. But that was a good that was but that was a good call by Egret though. I I was clowning him uh, last week because I said a 2 and 9 team can't make a statement and I still believe that. I don't think they could make a statement, but that was a good win though. Cuz I don't think that statement is not going to take you anywhere. It's like they won, but we still not making the playoffs. So who are we making a statement to? I don't know. So that's why I was getting that last week. So that was about that. Like I said, that was a good call by Eggert, though. And another topic from this week has been Lamar Jackson. Obviously, man, he went crazy against 
Um, the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati is trash. 0-9. We already knew, but he was they were bad. But we took away a lot of highlight plays from Lamar Jackson. Now everybody has him as their MVP. Should he be in the top two up there with Papa Russ? I don't think he should be in the top two. Ah. The number three spot, definitely. Yeah. Number three yeah. or four spot for MVP, I definitely see him there. But number two spot, no, not. And I love Lamar Jackson, but not just yet. Let me see just a couple more important games. Let me see him, how he does in those. Yeah. If I can see him in a good one or two more good, decent wins, and he shows out and puts the numbers up that he's been putting, then you could definitely move him into the conversation of the number two or even number one um, candidate for MVP this season. But right now, I've got him in like the three or four spot because I still got Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Christian McCaffrey, and then he could be like in that fourth spot. Or he might be able to switch with McCaffrey and get the third spot. Probably right now. Like I said, I'm going to ride with McCaffrey because that's my man's, but if I was being realistic – I would have Lamar at two or three right now. But I, I I like Deshaun more than I like a Lamar Jackson for an MVP personally. I think it's Papa Russ, then you got Deshaun, then you got Lamar, and then it's um, McCaffrey if I'm being realistic. But like I said, McCaffrey's still my MVP out. Oh, but now we're going to get into our picks of the week segment of this podcast. Uh, like I said, me and, uh, like I said before, me and Edward Benton 20. Uh, who are going to have the least losses going into the end of the season. Right now, Edgar has 14. I have 17 since week 8. So we're going to make these picks and see what it is. So the first game on the docket is the Jets versus Washington. Who you got? I'm going to take the Jets in this one. All right, I'm riding with the, I'm riding with the Jets. Uh, New Orleans versus Tampa Bay. I'm going with Tampa Bay. I like us to get two wins in a row at home. Mm, I'm riding with N.O. Um, Denver versus Minnesota. Uh, I like Denver for the upset. I feel yeah. like that quarterback is just going to shock everybody. See, again. see, now that that upset with the Falcons done got you gas, but now you don't think <laughs> now you picking all the upsets. But I'm gonna ride with Minnesota though. Uh, Buffalo, Miami. I'm going with Buffalo. Yeah, I'm riding with. Uh, I'm riding with Buffalo. Oh, hold on. So this might be my upset right here. Actually, I'm around with Miami, man. Buffalo ain't look ain't looking too good, bro. And I don't think they played too many teams. And Miami on a hot streak right now. So I'm actually gonna ride with Miami. Jacksonville versus uh, Indianapolis. I like Indianapolis in that one. Yeah, I'm riding with Indy. Indy getting Jacoby Brissett back this week. He was hurt the last couple weeks. That's why they lost to um the Dolphins. Brian Horrier looked like trash. Brissett is coming back, so they should be back on track. And Hilton should be coming back soon or in a week or two. And I'm riding with, like I said, I'm riding with the Copes. Dallas versus Detroit. Uh, I usually say. No Matt Stafford, though. No Matt Stafford, though. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Um, give me Dallas. Let me get Dallas. Yeah, let me ride with Dallas. Uh, Atlanta, Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, I'm riding Carolina. Houston and Baltimore, the game of the week. Uh, I'm going with Baltimore. I like. I like Lamar Jackson to show out and show everybody that he deserves a spot in this MVP yeah. conversation. And so I, I like him to beat out Deshaun Watson in that one. And it's at Baltimore, too, so that's that's going to be a key one, man. But I'm riding with my man Deshaun. Battle of the young black QBs. Love to see it. Uh, Arizona versus San Fran. San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco. Oh, it's at San Francisco. I'm around San Francisco. New England and Philly. I like New England. 
Definitely. Cincinnati, Oakland. 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 Chicago, LA. LA Chargers or Rams? Oh, Rams. Uh, and like this is a Sunday night game. It's gonna I be like a... the Rams in that one. Yeah, I like the Rams too. And KC versus the Chargers. I'm going with the Chargers to upset Kansas City. I was thinking the same thing, but I want to be different. I'm going to go with KC. KC, KC, KC. And like I said, Pittsburgh beat Cleveland. They're now 4-6, and six, trying to get back on the right track. So those are our picks of the week. Now we're going to get into our rankings of the week. I'm going to do mine first. I got the Patriots still number one for me. I got the Saints at number two. Like I said, last week was a one-off game. I think they're going to get back on track. I got the Packers at number three. Seattle at four. And I got the Ravens slotted at number five, man. So those are my rankings for this week. Edgar, what you got? I got the Patriots at number one. I'm going to put... Ah. Not sure... I'm probably going to put San Fran at number two still. Still rocking with San Fran. I'm still rocking with <laughs> San Fran. Like we said, Jimmy G didn't have Kittle, and he didn't have Emmanuel Sanders for a majority of the game. So I'm I'm going to say San Francisco can still try and work this out when Kittle comes back. And hopefully Emmanuel Sanders isn't hurt too bad. He can come back soon too. So I, I trust them, and I trust that defense. So they'll be my number two team. Number three, I I like the Ravens. I'm putting the Ravens at my number three spot. I like what the Ravens are doing right now. I like how Lamar Jackson is performing. And I, I just see a lot of growth in that team. That young core is just going off right now. Number four, I'll put the Packers. I trust Aaron Rodgers. He's a bad man. And rounding off at number five, I'll put the Saints. Yes, sir. So the big games and storylines of this week. It's Baltimore and Houston, like I said before, the battle of the young black QBs. Who you got? Oh, you already said, but you said Baltimore, right? Yeah, I said Baltimore. But who would you rather have between Lamar and Deshaun right now? Who would you have? I would rather have... Ah, that's a good question. I'd probably rather have Deshaun Watson. Mm. I love Lamar, but I'd rather have Deshaun Watson. I'm riding out with Deshaun, too, man, just from the passing game perspective. I think Lamar is more developed uh, passing-wise. But, you know, on the ground, I think nobody can touch Lamar on the ground. But I'm still riding with him. I think um, if you have if you put Lamar in a passing game situation, like if they're down, for example, if they're down and he has to throw the ball, I don't think that's his str- strong point yet. And I think that's the strong, strong point. So that's why I'm going to give it to Deshaun right now. But if they're ahead, like you can't beat them if they have the front if they're a front runner. And the other game of the week is Philly versus New England and Jacksonville versus Indianapolis, which is the battle of the AFC South, the battle of the second place team, because Houston is currently number one in that division. Edgar, give me some bold predictions before we get out of here, man. Bold predictions for the week. A bold prediction. I have I have Miami losing, but I, I still like Miami to Give a good game. Bold prediction. It's going to be way closer than where everybody thinks it'll be. And like I said early in the podcast, I think Kyle Allen is going crazy against Atlanta tomorrow. And what else I got? What I got? What I got? What I got? And Ezekiel Elliott is going to go crazy too, man. He's going to have like 150 and uh, 150 and two touchdowns. I feel it. 
He hasn't had that big breakout game yet. I think tomorrow against Detroit is going to be a huge breakout game for Zeke. And that is the end of our podcast, our football podcast, speaking about college football and the NFL. Before we head out, I want Edgar to hit y'all with the social media. You can follow us on Twitter at QEPodcast1. And you can follow us on Instagram at Q underscore and underscore E underscore podcast. Yes, sir. You can follow me on Twitter at Q underscore Hicks3. You can follow Edgar on Twitter at EdgarMartin97. Follow him on IG, EdgarMartinOfficial. And like I said, we just, and uh, like I said on the last podcast, we just started up an email. So if you have any questions and you want to hit us up, either hit us up on social media, hit us up on the email. The email is podcast at gmail.com. And that is all. Oklahoma is getting clapped by Baylor right now, man. So that's something that we're going to talk about on the next week's podcast. That's something I didn't see coming. But thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Peace.